1: Hey, are you looking for a show with no spin, with no jazz, without all the noise? Well, welcome. This is Joseph Brownlee, the host of Body of Christ Real Talk. If you're looking for that type of show and that type of action and some straight out real talk, real news, real Bible conversation, you have made it to the right podcast. Body of Christ Real Talk is awesome for you. Love you all. Peace out. Stay tuned for Body of Christ. Real talk. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to the show. This is Joseph Brownlee, your host of Body of Christ Real Talk. Let's get into some real talk. Let's get into some straight out real talk. First of all, I'd like to say hello, hi, to all my listeners. Good morning, good mid-morning, good afternoon, good mid-afternoon, good evening, good mid-evening. And my night listeners, once again, like I often, always greet you guys, hello and welcome to Body of Christ Real talk. All right. Churchism. Christendom. Believers in Christ. The body of Christ. The kingdom church. Different terms used for Christendom in today's world. These are different terms used for Christendom in today's world. Now, what I'm going to try to do, like I have been doing uh, in the last few podcasts, I've been putting a lot of emphasis on Christianity. Reason being, because I believe this is very important. Many uh, believers in the church and outside the church have so many different views about Christianity, What I mean by that, many people have different beliefs about Christianity, what they believe about Christianity, what is Christianity, they have different beliefs about the Bible, what Bible they should be reading, what translation they should be reading, they have different beliefs about the gospel message, how to be saved, what must I do to be saved, and different things like that. They have different questions about Christianity do I need to repent of my sins or if my sins or are my sins already been forgiven do I need to follow the ten commandments or not do I need to be water baptized or not do I need to join a membership become a member of a church uh for wall church or not these are many questions that get answered in different ways in Christendom and a lot of these questions and thoughts was also in my head, because I grew up in a religious environment, denominational type of uh, belief, which was the Church of God in Christ. I grew up uh, in the Church of God in Christ. But I never got the opportunity to learn what was Christianity, what was what? what is a Christian. I just was told and beat upside the head that I need to be saved, I need to stop sinning. And you know, especially if he was in a the, the Pentecostal Baptist type of growing up thing, emphasis is on living right and stop sinning. And Pentecostal a lot of times how you dressed and how you look with the men and the women, especially the women. And they pull certain scriptures, a lot of Pauline uh, scriptures, you know, from his letters, and they they that's how they felt they can come up with this interpretation when it came to dress codes and stuff like that and whatever whatever traditions you know so a lot of things I'm trying to debunk to my listeners the best way I can it's a lot of things I don't know a lot of things I'm going to keep telling you to look up this stuff yourself if you are serious these are for the serious listeners if you are serious about want to walk the way God wants you to walk you, if you are serious to want to know how what God expects out of a believer if you are serious if you're not a believer if you are serious to really want to know what you must do to be saved I'm going to try to address that the best way I can like I said back in the past I didn't get that much of an opportunity you know I was not taught you know when I when I was growing up in the church that was, that was pre-salvation that was before salvation I wasn't taught I didn't have the opportunity to be taught about Christian out let me put it this way when I was taught about being a Christian, being saved, it was a denomination of teaching. I didn't know about the other denominations. I just was told not to be around that because remember, this was the church. This is the word of God, the Pentecostal church, uh, Church of God in Christ is, was the church. So that's all I knew. So a lot of you guys can relate to that. Men and women can relate to that. So I was brought up in it. So I never had the opportunity. There is so much opportunity today that a man that's seeking or a lady that's seeking about how to be saved there's so much information out there that is kind of creepy and you have to try to uh search and research you know different definitions of salvation and stuff like that okay i'm going to get into a lot of stuff you probably never uh heard this type of teaching before And I'm not saying this because I'm somebody special or anything like that. I'm just trying to feel my way. This is an idea I believe that can help a lot of others because it helps me. Uh, One of the ways I believe that a, a man and woman of God that's confused, and there's a lot of us out there, That's confused, especially if you brought up and you was raised in a spiritual denominational church. It's a lot of believers uh, out there confused about, first of all, doctrine, salvation and different things I have mentioned earlier. Christendom period, Christianity period, you know, and I was one of them because when you have so many denominations you have different creeds of what they believe in. And sometimes you only know about that one belief. That one belief. A lot of other beliefs in different denominations sound somewhat foreign to you because if you was brought up in a certain church, whether it's a family church like most church, Pentecostals and Baptist churches and even Lutherans and Catholics, a lot of family churches and stuff like that. Church as in the four-wall building. And uh that's all you know. Whatever traditional religion or church you was brought up in, that's what you know. That's what you've been embedded with. That's all you know and everything like that. And and your teachers and your priests, whatever religion that you're in or faith you call it, will often say this is what the Word of God is. And they have their own Bible showing you this is what the Word of God is telling you or this is the way God want us to walk. This is the word of God. So I want to try to show my listeners a way, And I just came up with this. So was, I'm not saying nobody else do this or whatever. Like that. I'm sure there are other people that does this, but you probably, you know, it's just, you really got to really want to re- research. But this, I didn't get this from nobody else. This is just something I'm letting you know up front that I think could help. And it's, and it's, it's somewhat thinking outside the Christian or believer's box, thinking outside the box when you're trying to uh, get questions, answers, because many people, many traditions give you different answers when it comes to being a believer or, or the, the the Christian and stuff like that. So that's why, you know, I just started thinking about this because I, I started thinking about it when I first seen that video about why many youngsters leaving the church and etc. Stuff like that, which I'm not going to go back to that. But I start hitting different areas of different topics that I think a lot of Christians and non-Christians need to know. You know, I try to get everybody an ear. It's going to, i let you know which things is going to benefit the same person and which things that going to benefit the person that's looking to be saved for truth. So I try to, uh, differentiate those two so you can know exactly, uh, I know my audience. So I, I know unsaved and saved people listen to my show so i'm very sensitive to that so i just why i you probably get tired of me saying that. that's why i say unbelievable saved or unsaved because i don't want to put you all in the same category because you're not you either saved or you're not you're either a believer or you're not a believer so i try to respect that and i try to just let you know which audience i'm talking about if you listen to my show all right and, but my goal is for everyone to be is to be saved. That's my goal. I don't hide that. No spin. That is my number one goal for everybody that listen to the show to be saved. But I know everybody is not. So that's why I go that route. And if you're not saved, you cannot say I did not give you the ammunition or the information the best way I can, that will give you a chance to be saved, even through what's going on around the world. So, you cannot never say that on Body of Christ Real Talk, okay? So, the King James Bible I left off on on my last show, my last podcast. Another thing I want to tell you, my show is going to be at least about an hour long. So, if that's not for you, I can understand that. You can try to half it up or whatever like that, but, you know, I have so much to talk about. Sometimes it it could be more than an hour, a little bit over now, but I'm trying to make least my information exciting and uh, informative so you can just get as much learning as you can and just go back and back track a lot of things that I'm saying because when I talk about history I want you to go and do your own informed research on history okay because I can leave things out or I can miss say something or I can miss say years so I'm very I try to be very careful about that because I want you to get as much accuracy on what I'm saying that you can because I can
0: We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, "It's time to switch." We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA, what you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply.
1: Say something that's not completely accurate, you know, and I don't do that out of cockiness or arrogance. It's just I need I haven't researched it as well as I should have, or it's it's just I got brain fog and I just forget. You know, so I'm human and that's That's the way it goes sometimes. Perfect Holy Spirit, like I use, is working through a hoop and perfect vessel. Okay, so I wanted to get that out there. So, you know, I'm real. I'm not here to try to, I'm trying to lead you to think that I'm all day and I know everything about the Bible. But, what I want to try to do, I was, uh, and I found this out myself because It's shame on me, you know, as being a Bible teacher. I knew that was other Bibles in the past. I didn't know the exact years when other Bibles was printed. Now, what I mean by other Bibles, I'm talking about the English Bible was printed. I didn't know there was about uh, over five Bibles. You probably did. I did not know that, you know, and I'm not ashamed to say that I did not know that. I would have found out why, because the research that I do. Because we have a battle, a war that Satan started with different translations of Bible, uh, Bibles and translations, uh, in the English language. That's why I left off on that, you know. And what, what conjured this up was my conversation me and my fiance, Christina, had about Spain and the ban on Bibles in Spain and why the Bibles was, uh, banned in Spain. And then the Red Bub came on because of the, uh, the, uh, the dominance that the Catholic Church had in Spain. in the, the start of the, the uh, Spanish uh, inquisitions and stuff like that and uh, the people was killed and slaughtered in Spain and, you know, many people put their trust in the Catholic Church, they put their trust, uh, their trust in the papacy, the popes, and stuff like that. The popes created the Jesuits. You know, I call them a kill group. I call them hitmen. Then they formed the inquisition group, you know, stuff like that. Inquisitors, they called them, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's very important, I believe, for all denominational churches and so-called believers to look at the history of the Christian church. And I think that's very important because uh, a lot of us don't go as far as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mostly uh, Christians don't go as far as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, I think that's very important to look at it. Because God, Christianity, did not stop after the Bible was finished. Let me say this again. The movement, God's movement, all the way up to now, did not stop. After the Bible was fulfilled you understand what I'm saying there was still a movement of God using people the only difference is the apostolic movement was no more ceased after the last apostle died. I believe that was John there was no more apostles and prophets and stuff like that signs and wonders and stuff like that all of that ceased after the teachings of the Apostle Paul see but that did not stop churchism that did not stop the body of Christ. You understand what I'm saying, so I like to call that the gray area that the majority of you know Christendom denominational uh uh believers you know and church goers don't know too much about now you now I'm not saying I'm not putting everybody in that category, but a lot of people that goes to church and are believers do not know. Uh, too much how much Christians we're not? a lot of you all probably heard of the Dark Ages and stuff like that you probably heard of the Inquisition you heard of the slaughters and Christians you heard of the, the wars between the Christians and the Muslims you know Muslims and stuff like that you probably got taught that in certain schools or whatever like that but the majority of believers don't know too much about that and I think it's very important that we research and see what's going on because once we research it we will and this is this is for real we will understand where a lot of this confusion with denominations and traditions started now yes it started and with the teachers of Peter Paul with the false teachings and stuff like that but I'm talking about after the fullness of the Bible when they started trying to get the Bible printed you understand what I'm saying we should know some type of uh have some type of information on when the Bible was printed and what these men of God had to go through to get, the, get it printed, let alone translated to their countries because it was predominantly dominated by the Catholic Church and when you start looking at the history, you notice the Catholic Church was the church. Okay, was the church. Not the body of Christ. I'm just talking about churchism, Christendom. Catholic Church was Christendom. Catholic Church, you know, dominated everything. So therefore they was the they was the holders. They had a grip on their Bible, which was the Latin, uh, the Latin Vulgate. Bible and everything like that. You know, they got their print. They made everything was in Latin in Rome. And they just outlawed anybody for learning the Bible in any other language. Like I was saying earlier, in order for you to try to understand the word of God, you had to go through the Catholic Church, which was considered God, which considered the fathers, the popes, the papacy and stuff like that. So you had to get your literature and stuff from the Catholic church. Did a lot of you know that? How broad and powerful the Catholic church has been for years. The Catholic church was so big that Martin Luther uh, uh, and a lot of other, other uh, the Protestants, the Reformers, they called them, uh, believed that the popes and the catholic church was the antichrist and the popes was the antichrist they had they always followed their belief that the catholic church and the papacy the popes you know were the antichrist they was the beast they was the uh uh you know the symbols of the book of revelation it it just spelled it just spelled the the catholic church back then even with uh martin luther and i remember i'm not talking about martin luther king Uh, I think that's why he got his name from Martin Luther. But that's another story. But Martin Luther, the reformed the Greek monk, uh, not the Greek monk, the German monk, you know, that started the Protestant church. And I'm going to get into that. What is Protestant? I'm going to try to break down a lot of that going through this series for us to understand these certain terms and names that a lot of us believers don't know what it means. We use it and say it, but don't know what it means so the catholic church always had a, a umbrella over every other so-called christian you know dominus what you can read how you can go how you can pray or whatever like that that's what started the uh the inquisitions and they brought in the Jesuits and all those from the catholic church you know so i left out the other day about There was five English Bibles printed before the King James Bible. And uh, I'm going to end this series somewhat on why I believe the King James Bible is the inerrant word of God today. And it's proof to me why it is. You know, I I just can't ignore that, why it is. But I'm not going to talk about that now. But there was five English Bibles you know, I, talk, I, I talked about that in my last podcast before the King James Bible. And what I want to do now, I just gave you the different Bibles because it started with the Wycliffe Bible. Then it went up to the Tyndale Bible, William Tyndale, okay? Then you had the, um uh, the Cobradale Bible, uh, Miles Coburn, I, I keep messing up his name. Then it went into the, uh, the Matthews Bible. Then the Big Bible, the Great Bible. Then the last one before the King James was Geneva Bible that wind up being the most popular Bible at that time, which was in the 1500s. The Geneva Bible. Now, all of them have something in common. There were certain texts. A lot of them as it went on, uh, when Wheatcliff's wrote the bible it was just in pieces there wasn't no completed new testament or nothing okay when william tisdale got a hold to it i'm trying to just go through this fast he completed the uh the new testament he knew greek i believe he knew hebrew and he knew latin i believe so he kind of what his text was was very somewhat accurate and he, he was able to do the New Testament. Okay, when he got killed, when he was martyred, uh, we Weecliff didn't get We club just died, natural causes of age. Uh, William Tyndale was burned like a state, like Joan of Arc. You know, that was popular back there during the inquisitions and stuff like that. You know, during the Catholic Roman reign, inquisitions, a lot of burning and torture, and you know, stuff like that. Very terrible, very evil, very demonic. Uh, so he got killed by burnt like a stake on fire. Then one of his uh, protégés, followers of Tyndale, uh, Miles Corbidale, took what uh, Tyndale had, used some of his text, and just added a little bit more flavor to it. See? And then he had his own Bible. Uh, You know, And then Matthew came out and and was able to finish it up and different things like that. So about time it got to the uh, somewhat to the Geneva, I believe. The translation of both the New Testament and the Old Testament was completed. See, but they all kind of bounced off each other. But the majority of their Texas came from William Tyndale. From what I from what I have been studying, the majority of their Texas came from William Tyndale. Tyndale, not Wycliffe. He's the four.
0: We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions and it's because that occasional shave really hurts
1: when you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA Safe Pilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA Safe Pilot. Restrictions apply. Father, for the first one having the first Bible, incomplete Bible, but the completeness of the Geneva, you know, which many uh, people from England consider that the Bible of the Bible. Not the King James because the King James wasn't uh, wasn't created yet so I think that's back in the 1500s. So what I'm going to do let me uh read the years and then I'm gonna go with that. and I think this will help you knowing a beginning of something, how I started and why I think. And my opinion is very important when you're trying to claim something or you're standing on something. That's why in the last podcast, I asked you, what Bible do you believe in? What Bible do you have and why? Or do you have the history on that Bible? Who started that Bible? There's always a reason certain translations were started, just like these. See, these reasons were God-led. See, that's why I say it's important to know what happened after the Word of God was finished. Remember, the Word of God had to be printed. It wasn't printed then after the death of Paul now. They was writing it as they was going through paper and, you know, uh, uh, papayas and stuff like these Different names they had it, man. They they, 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 they even started writing Bibles on wood. On wood as carvings. To try to get the Bible out there. They carved it in some type of wood. You need to do a study on that. That's very important. The Bible was also... uh, related to people by art the Catholic Church they use art windows glass windows and stuff with different bodies people understood the Bible somewhat by looking at art in different forms or whatever like that because they didn't have no word-for-word word Bible you understand what I'm saying see all is that in is in the history and is mostly dominated by the Catholic Church well anyway as it went down to the Geneva Bible they finally had a book of the Old and New Testament. But they went through so much H-E-L-L to get the Word of God into a form of English language book so that their people could understand the Bible before it got out to other nations in the world. But the Roman Catholic Church did not want that. They wanted to keep it in the Latin Vulgate and they wanted everybody to, at that time to read their Bible, Okay. Tyndale, I mean Wendell uh used some of the Vulgate. I don't think uh Tyndale used none of it. And then it went down to uh Miles Coverdale, then it went out to the Matthew Bible, then Matthew Bible uh, came went down to the Great Bible. I think the last two uh was authorized by the English leaders, and you know, you well, you know, the other one, the main one, was authorized the King James Bible, but I believe the Geneva also was somewhat authorized. Well, let me just read you something, so I won't make a mistake here, of the information I looked up, okay? And I hope you guys start looking up this stuff yourself, because it's just going to go in your ear, not your out the, out your head, if you're not serious to understand history of uh, Christianity. All right, let me get this out here, four, eight, nine. Put my code in there. Oh, it's going too far, all right? So this is what I looked up. Keep going a little further here. Now, this is uh the history in order as years, okay? As years. And if you guys stick with me listening to, you're going to find out a lot about what uh, certain things that was birth, certain beliefs, certain traditions, how was birth. I'm going to compare the how was birth compared to what's the real meaning and definition of these births, which I'm going there. So you will have an idea some things you're going to find out had, has nothing to do with the way they use it today. You understand what I'm saying? So that's why I'm doing this series to help you out on that. And it should help you grow. Okay? So these are the years. I know it started in 1300 or something. But I'm going to read them all to you. Alright. First of all, you know about the King James Bible. But I'm going to go with the first Bible that was written. What's called the Wycliffe Bible. This Bible was written in 1382. Now, the Wycliffe White, the the Bible, to pronounce the way they, uh, many people and theologians pronounce his last name, I used to say Wycliffe, but I think it's Wycliffe's Bible is considered to be the first complete translation of the Bible into English. It was translated by John Wycliffe and his followers from the Latin Vulgate. Remember, I said he got some of his stuff from the Latin Vulgate, which was the only translation in the Bible was basically used then, you know, by who? The Catholic Church which was the standard Bible used by the Catholic Church at the time. The Wheatcliff Bible was handwritten and was not widely distributed, but it was an important milestone or milestone in the history of the English Bible translation. Remember, I'm talking about the English Bible translation. So remember, 1382 was the first Bible. It was not complete, though. And it didn't get distributed to a lot of people and everything like that. It was still growing. But the uh, the next one after that was over a hundred and something years later, through Tyndale's, William Tyndale, which the second Bible was uh, started in 1526. The Tyndale Bible was the first English translation of the Bible to be printed. It was translated by William Tyndale, who was a scholar and theologian. Tyndale's translation was based on the original Greek and Hebrew texts rather than the Latin Vulgate. Like I said, he did not use the Latin Vulgate, the Catholic Church Bible. He used the genuine Greek and Hebrew texts. Hmm. The Tyndale Bible was a significant achievement in the history of English Bible translation, and it had a profound impact on the English language. Now, the third Bible was the Coverdale Bible. After Tyndale was killed, martyred, the third Bible, his protege was the Coverdale Bible, Miles Coverdale. This Bible was a couple of years later, uh, maybe about, what, nine years later, 1535, This called it was called the Coverdale Bible. was the first complete English Bible to be printed in England. Now, complete. Remember, it's the first complete Bible to be printed in England. It was translated by Miles Coverdale, who was a friend and associate of William Tyndale. I said protege, but, you know, associate, he was under the wings of William Tyndale. The Coverdale Bible was based on Tyndale's translation, but it also included some additional material. The Coverdale Bible was widely used in England and was an important step in the development of the English Bible. Remember, the Coverdale Bible was uh, printed, it was completed in 1535. Now, then after that, you had the Matthew Bible two years later, 1537. The Matthew Bible was a combined edition of the Tyndale Bible. Now you see, how a lot of them got a lot of their stuff out of the Tyndale Bible, not the Wycliffe, but the Tyndale Bible. The Bible, the Matthew Bible, was combined edition of the Tyndale Bible and was covered. It was the Coverdale Bible. It was edited by John Rogers, who used the Sedonum Thomas Matthew. Matthew's Bible was the first English Bible to be authorized by the English government, and it was widely used in. England. Then after this, you have the Great Bible. I like to call it the Big Bible because I, I, the, the way history says it was one of the largest Bibles. It was a very big Bible, which you can still see a lot of giant Bibles in a museum. The Great Bible came out in 19, 1539, about four or five years later, after uh, the Matthew Bible. Now, the Great Bible was the first English Bible to be authorized. So, so I was right. The Great Bible was the first to be authorized by the churches. English government. It was translated by a team of scholars, including Miles Coverdale and John Rogers. The Great Bible was based on the Matthews Bible, but it included some revisions and updates. The Great Bible was a significant achievement in the history of English Bible translation, and it was widely used in English. England, okay? See? Now, that was the last Bible, but one Bible out of the study that doesn't have on it is the Geneva Bible. Geneva Bible was one of the top Bibles used in England at the time. Many churches and leaders, you know, uh, taught in churches and stuff like that with the Geneva Bible. Many uh, uh, believers don't know anything about that. Okay, I took a pause there, but I am back. Many believers. Do not know too much about the history of the English Bible here in America. Many believers now in England, Great Britain, UK, places like that. I'm, I believe a lot of them do. They was bred in that, you know, <laughs> Queen Elizabeth and all of them. Now I don't mean they saved or believers, but I know they know that they know their own history. Let me just put it that way. So if anybody know their own history, it's the mother of the United States. It's uh, England, Great Britain, okay? So I'm sure they have a history on that, but we here in America, uh, unless we done, unless, you know, like some theologians have done their studies, the, the the average church don't know too much history about the history of these Bibles, especially the Geneva. Many people know about the Geneva, like myself, I heard about the Geneva, but the other ones, I didn't know too much about I did not know. And uh, and why. You know. And the persecution I had to go through. And I, all through all these. From 1300 or something. All the way to 1500 or something. Until the 1611 authorized King James Version. The Catholic Church. Persecuted all these men. Some was martyred. Some just died or whatever like that. Either way it goes. The Catholic Church persecuted this church. Now Holiday. One of the big reasons, the main reasons the Catholic Church persecuted these churches, I mean, these believers. Remember, I made a, um, I was being sarcastic, which is true though, in those days, even today, you have the Christians persecuting the Christians, and that's been going on for a long time. So you have one Christian, so-called Christian church, think they the Christian of the Christian, persecuting another small Christian group where they consider the little Christians. You cannot be a real Christian unless you come to us, the church. That's, and, and, and very plainly, that's what's been going on for a long time. The Word of God the inerrant Word of God through all these translations from this Bible. Listen to me carefully from what little study I've got. This is what I come up with. The persecution of these Bibles, why were they being persecuted? If the Catholic Church had the so-called and Latin Vulgate Word of God, why would they persecute this church the cause is because it ain't that they they, they figured that this, this group was teaching false teaching. They did not want and I'm getting this out of my study and many will believe on me believe uh, agree with me on this they did not want nobody to know that you could be saved by grace, saved by faith alone See, because the Catholic Church is all about works, money, and stuff like that, you know, and statues and idols and stuff like that, papacy and stuff like that. They like to have control of you. They do not want the people, the layman people, you know, that was out there to know that the way to be saved is by faith alone. That's why they persecuted Martin Luther and a lot of other other reformers, the Protestants, See, let me go back and just give a little definition about Protestant. It's very simple. You know, Protestant just mean protest. They was the first protesters that went up against the powerful Catholic Church, started by Martin Luther. Then many other groups came out, even John Calvin and all them. They are they are known as the reformers, the Protestants. Protestants just mean protest. They was the first protesters that stood up against the Catholic Church. A lot of other people was afraid of them. But they stood up on the inerrant word of God. Saved by faith alone. See? Catholics teaching was basically, like I, I remember listening uh, listen on my last podcast, and basically going a lot of works. But I have no doubt they got a lot of that from what? The kingdom teaching. The gospel of the kingdom. Because you've got to remember, the Catholic Church Think they are the kingdom on earth. They rep, that's why they, they extravagant gold and plated and everything like that. They almost try to make their church look like the book of the church in the book of Revelation, the earthly millennium kingdom, if you notice that. That's why they try to say that they are the church on earth. So they are the kingdom church. Peter is the first pope. See, that's the belief of the Catholic Church and everything. So, therefore, a lot of their teachers are from the old kingdom teaching of Peter now. That's why you don't see Paul. They don't mention Paul. They talk about Peter. Paul preached grace. Faith, saved by grace, by faith alone. Peter did not preach that. You, you follow what I'm saying? That's why they have a statue of Peter or whatever like that. And they have different looks of apostles and stuff like that, you know. And when these uh uh reformers or you know, protestants when they and, these, and the writers of these Bibles and stuff like that, they had a lot of a lot of beautiful decorations and stuff like that of the 12 apostles, or they have Peter and Paul sitting on each side and everything like that. So it, like it's a lot of friction today, friction today, it was a lot of friction back there then, you know, without the cars and the, and the internet and none of that stuff. So you can imagine what they went through. See, they didn't have the technology like we got today that we can can bypass a lot of stuff and learn out a lot of stuff. We don't have that type of resistance. Not here in America, anyway. You know, some of the countries still have resistance of Christianity is just outlawed. Like North Korea, China, and Iran, and, you know, a lot of other these countries. But we have a freedom here to still preach the gospel and stuff like that. But let me just digress. They got persecuted because they didn't want nobody to, the Catholic Church didn't want nobody first of all to know about how simple it was to be saved only by grace you didn't have to do nothing One wasn't no works. the Catholic Church lied to them all those years and that's why they persecuted them so hard that's why they burned so many of these Bibles they burned many Bibles they killed many people I mean the acquisition in those days they tortured a lot of believers a lot of believers that believed in what the narrative word of God. I'm talking about believers of the body of Christ got tortured and slaughtered because of their belief. See? And we need to know about that, how that went and everything, because the Catholic Church was ran by Satan. And he always had a history the way he done things, even the times of Nero where Paul got beheaded and Peter got beheaded and stuff like that. They was under the Roman church then. See. You didn't hear the word Catholicism or Catholic too much, but it was still the Roman church. That's what was birthed out of Constantine. The papayas and the popes came out of the birth from Constantine, the false Christian. You know, but that's another story. But I'm just saying they always had a hole. Rome always had a hole on a lot of believers. They always often had a lot of power. You had a lot of superpowers you know you had greece you had egypt you had a lot of superpowers but rome i believe i don't know how long they held it but they they, they even got a grip today on christendom say christendom and the catholic church don't consider themselves of course not they don't consider themselves protestants that's why it's important us to know the difference between the protestant church and the catholic church now you have an idea why the Catholic Church looks down on the Protestant churches. Now there's different pro- the Protestant churches. It's like the uh, the births of the reformers, like Luther, Luther and all. On the Protestant church, you have the Lutheran Church, the Methodist Church, the Anglican Church. You know, some Baptist Church and the Baptist. You know, different things. Those are known as the Protestant churches. You understand? what I'm saying they want to know as the Protest- the ones that was birthed after these uh, reformers. You know, they started a domination spread, denominational spread, with their their take on the scriptures and everything. Those are known as the Protestant church. So when you hear the term Protestant, believe me, those churches are part of that Protestant movement, you know. So you you have a picture of Protestant protesters. The first, I remember, when you hear the Protestant church, remember, Luther started this. They was the first protesters that would have stood up against the Catholic church. Protestant protest you understand now okay for the ones that don't understand some of you that understand don't don't think I'm trying to teach you a baby phone but these are the ones that don't understand uh, what Protestant mean when it comes to the church see there's a meaning to a lot of things Protestant evangelicalism and stuff like that that really traditional churches and stuff use I don't care to know about all of them but I'm just letting you know about the Protestant movies because that's one of the most popular ones and it has a, a really strong beginning all these people done this for the church. They was not perfect. You know, Luther had a lot of messed up beliefs after a while. He's known for this some, what theses I don't know too much about them, but he's known for his stand on when he read that scripture in Romans. And what, what that verse come from? It was Paul's teaching. That was the thing going on. That's how They was moving on that to let people know you can be saved by grace alone. That's why you have to understand it was not Peter preached that message. That was the teaching of Paul. That was one of the hidden mysteries that Jesus revealed to the Apostle Paul. See? I'm not saying they looked at it that way. You know, but Satan blinded a lot of them then about the hidden message, the mystery. You had certain was later on down the line in the 20th century that grasped it. That's how hard Satan was fighting against Paul's letters and Paul's messages. But you have certain groups of people, of men of God, that got it. They stepped away from a regular traditional Protestant or Calvinist type of belief and they they was known as dispensationalists. You see? They was known as dispensationalism. And I'm going I'm to get into that, you know, why I think it's used too loosely and why Paul used it a certain way, which is the correct way, you know. And you could be you, could, you, could, you could form any type of group and abuse any type of name. That's why you got these denominations with these names, basically. A lot of it has nothing to do with what these men believed in, but they just added men's tradition to it, even dispensationalism. So, the uh, not the father's. But before uh, the uh, the C.I. Schofield and the Clarence Larkin and a lot of other believers, uh, the D.M. Moody, Moody Institute, the Charles Spurgeons. I don't know how deep those two was in dispositionism, but they 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 followed a lot of Paul's teachings. And uh, before that, uh, before that, you had a group of people called the Paulinians. And I'm going to give you a little definition of who the Paulinians was. And, you know, so you had a group out there and they believed in the dispensational type of movement. Even uh, Clarence Larkin, who was a drafter, his his trade and his skill was drafting. He had different charts than ever. I, I, I bought his book before uh, about truth about dispensationalism. So you had the Calvinist movement, you had the dispensational movement. The, the difference was... <clears throat> The Calvinist movement grew to believe, from uh, I think, uh, from uh, John Calvin, that God pre.
0: We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. We made usaa insurance for veterans like james when he found out how much usaa was helping members save he said it's time to switch we'll help you find the right coverage at the right price usaa what you're made of we're made for restrictions apply
1: destined people for hell or heaven that's one of their five cores they believe anybody that saved today god chose them to be saved and anyone that went, that's not saved today or hell they destined to go to hell that's one of the main big errors of a Calvinist belief that a lot of churches teach and another name for Calvinist is called lordship salvation you understand what I'm saying so dispensationalism they the one came up like Darby uh Then it went up to C.I. Schofield and uh, Clarence Larkin and many others and stuff like that. You know, so you have these certain movements and stuff like that. But you would not know that. It's good to know a beginning of something. See, it's good to know of a beginning of a movement. Now, all of them, including these dispensations, had a movement. Now, what do I mean by that? Dispensation is a word that was always used only by Paul. Not always. It can't be always used, but Paul used it four times. Paul used the word dispensation four times for a meaning, which means stewardship, which means administration, which means program. I'm going to read a definition very clearly that I looked up as well for dispensationalism, but I'm not going to do that now, maybe in another podcast. And if I have time, I'll do it for you. But my point is... When it got to the King James Bible, 1611, you know, that was authorized by King James itself. You know, what they wanted, they wanted a Bible with the fullness, meaning of all these other five and complete, for inerrant status that's how they came up with the King James Bible so they used over I said over 70 scholars but I was that was my error I was incorrect see, you see when I I get the talk and I start forgetting numbers and I just try to get as close as I can that was the error it wasn't 70 it was about 50 scholars but I think only 47 of them uh, uh, only 47 of them went through it only 47 of them uh, done the, uh, the translations and stuff like that for one reason or the other I remember I was saying that okay so they went over and over and over you know I think over uh from what I'm what I'm hearing when I looked at this documentary they went over it over 15 times to make sure everything was lined up, everything was put together, the the right translation of Greek, the right Hebrew and everything. These are scholars now. Was complete and put together exactly. See? So they was very careful. They watched for errors and everything. When they was uh uh putting the King James Bible together because they took they they start putting in and certain things they took out. Now let me tell you this. <laughs> that you heard about the apocrypha and uh the Maccabees and stuff like that. Now, the 1611 Bible, the original 1611 Bible which got me when I heard this 1611 Bible the uh, the apocrypha was added in the, the apocrypha was in the 1611 Bible. Did you know that? The apocrypha was part of the Bible, but it was tucking out. I forget how many it was, the Apocrypha was tucking out. Remember I mentioned that the last time the Apocrypha was tucking out of the King James Bible, the original 1611 Bible, the original, which is no more. There's no original today. They only have copies now. But the original King James Bible, 1611, the Apocrypha, these groups of men, was tucking out of, not because of error, not because they was wrong. But at that particular time, even the guys that was putting everything together felt that these guys wasn't part of Scripture. Important to remember that. That's why it was not left in the King James Bible. And that's why the uh, Catholic Church has a very big issue with it. You know, they took it out because they felt they was led, and this is me looking at that, back. God, the Spirit, that these have to come out. It's not the inerrant word of God. See, God has certain people with names that wrote certain scriptures. These guys was almost like no names. Now, the stuff they wrote was good or whatever, but it wasn't good enough to be considered scripture the way I'm reading and studying this. So it was tucking out, and it was named the Apocrypha. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? You can do this study yourself or whatever like that. I'm going to do that myself. But that's from what I have seen. This is what I'm getting out of this. And I'm just showing it, letting you know you do your own research on that. If you just have some type of doubt or disagreement or you're part of the apocrypha. You think the apocrypha is part of the Bible? That's your own opinion but actually it is not. Not saying they don't have some good things in there but you can, it's not, I don't think you should uh, know one and these scholars was came to the same conclusion that the apocrypha is not the inherent inerrant scripture. Good advice, good things. They found a lot of things, but it's not scripture. It's just like these other books: the Book of Enoch, the Book of uh, uh, the Book of Judas, the Book of these. This not if God listen to me. God used these men just like he used a lot of them in the past in a different way, in a different dispensation. That's why I said when God when God did not stop moving through people after the Bible was fulfilled he just wasn't moving through them in a supernatural miraculous reckless way because those days ended with the Jews postponing. You understand what I'm saying? It's more, God. you don't think God know about the advance of technology and stuff like that? People, we have to think. We, we serve a powerful, all-powerful, omnipresent, omniscient God, all-knowing God. You don't think, and this, our God knows the past, present, and future all at one time. He knew the advancement. Remember, I often say, everything in God's eyes is already finished. It is done. We cannot comprehend it, so leave that alone. He's seen all this from the Reformation and all that. He's seen these imperfect believers and imperfect men trying to get His Word out there because the Spirit of God is moving through them. See, with all their errors. You know, believers and unbelievers. God was moving through the believers, but I believe He used some unbelievers because they was getting persecuted even if they just looked at these Bibles. So, it's, it's God worked the same way through the you know the move to get his word through there he had to get the word created I mean you know put in the book you know from 1300 all the way and finally uh, through the 1611 King James version you understand what I'm saying so what I'm saying when they start doing all this God gave them the wisdom these scholars to research to translate the correct Greek the original Greek and the original Hebrew Not this new Greek and Hebrew that you can uh, use it different ways. The original Greek, the original Hebrew, that's why I believe the King James is an arid word of God. The Greek that was used then is the Greek that was supposed to be used then. It was the original Greek. See? Hebrew, it was the original Hebrew. See? Satan has confused this and uh use people that's why you have so many different translations and bibles they use in the new greek and using this type of this they using it whatever like that well anyway i believe one brother i heard bobby brown not the singer you <laughs> know new edition bobby brown from the church i was going to and he used the word which i like he used the word when the king james bible was trans, was made and translated, and the Greek God frozen it. Mean it was like you know we ever heard the term space age or they evolution when they freeze something and then millions of years it come later. I'm not that's not real, but I'm just talking about evolution. God froze it. The meaning, the interpretation, the language, everything. He froze it. What do I mean by that? He froze it. In other words, he, he He put it in the sense he froze it so it won't be touched or changed. So even today, whatever the King James Bible meant then, it means the same today. Whatever God's word meant then, back all the way back then through these translators, it means the same today. That's what it means to be frozen untouched you know don't, don't have to touch nothing that's why it's still the one of the most persecuted bibles the king james version bible it's not a coincidence why it's been persecuted so much why they're trying to take it off the bookshelves even secular directors, producers make movies about the King James Bible. I'll mention the Book of Eli, and there's probably other movies as well. They use the King is something sacred about that King James Bible. But it's not the Bible, it's the words in it, see. Uh, According to a lot of scholars, uh, uh, when the, the Greek was used especially compared to the Latin Vulgate. The Latin Vulgate was too wordy. It used a lot of Shakespeareans. You think the King James Bible was deep? Then just the Latin Vulgate, from what I heard, was very wordy. They they stretch simple things that Jesus said, or whatever like that. They, they stretched it. The informative. I'm just making up something that The historical aspersion of my arm touched the flowers of your grandeur. And you remember, you know the old. uh, Othello, Othellos and Shakespearean and stuff like that, you know, is a lot of that is from a Latin type of way they taught. So a lot of the scholars, it was an argument over there. They did not like that. It's too fleshly. It's, it's too, look at me. So they shortened a lot of the things. And, they, and man, you look at these documentaries and you understand, you say, Wow. That's why this was shortcut this way, because the Latin vocal Latin was like a show-off. Latin used a lot of extraordinary long sentences and wordy, like a lot of people do today. You ever heard a person teach, uh, especially a lot of these Lutherans or Methodists and everything like that, they have their pious role born, and I mean, when they just talk about John, even John 3.16, it sounds like, man, you know, you have to just... Wallow up in their powerful oral words and everything. So that's how the Latin language was used. And, uh, uh the Catholics loved that, man. They, they talk like that now. Father, the mother, the mother, Mary, you know, take your holiness and all the whole and never, the- but go- 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 go. that's that Latin pitch. That's that Latin style. Man, these these right these these uh the ones that was creating uh stuff like that, Tyndale and all they hated that. <laughs> they hated that. That's why Tyndale put it in the correct way where it's supposed to be. He shortened a lot of that. It's so much history, man, that about how God got his word out there and then through the King James Bible. Man, this is very good history learning, man, about the King Jimmy, like I like to call it. You know. And the gothic way of words was used then. They didn't use sentences then. They came later uh, by the Geneva Bible. That's the first time they started using sentences. And I believe periods and all that stuff then, but especially when it got to the King James. That's why it was revised. the The, the Bible, the King James, that all of us mostly renounced from the seventeen hundreds. I forgot what year. I looked it up. We're not, you know, it's mo- it's been revised. So we got the seventeen hundred version and everything like that. But anyway, not to confuse you. If you went back then, the way the old English was, ain't no way <laughs> they changed letters there was certain it was almost like certain letter. how they changed jesus name you know jesus name was changed you know yeshua and different things three different times i believe from the lat from the uh hebrew greek latin it was changed because some of the letters there was no j and it was like a i so it was different ways that these languages that some of us not even in existence anymore that was used so it's a lot of things that was done to get these translations and stuff correct. You understand what I'm saying? So when God finished the uh, the King James Bible, that still survived to date, the copies anyway, they destroyed the uh, original 1611, but the copies anyway and everything. I like what Bobby Brown, brother Bobby Brown said, he kind of like, he explained it very unique, like I, you know, I don't want to misquote him, that God like froze it. It was like it was froze in a vault until it was discovered again later on through the years by different scholars or archaeologists and stuff like that, till it was discovered again in its original content, in its original text, and its original beauty. Few revisions for changing, not, re, not changing God's words, revisions just mean you revised it, see? the King James you revised it you didn't change the meaning you didn't change what God was saying you just revised it because some things are, and letters have to be changed you know that you don't even use in the English language anymore you just revised it that's all and that, the, the, in other words the revisement that's made on the King James Bible is the limit of revision anything you didn't need no other American standards and nothing like that see you, you you understand what I'm saying God done this purposely whatever that was frozen stays the same you don't need to come up with some other new Greek or whatever to change it to try to appease us today as Americans or any other whatever but I'm speaking as an American that's what I mean by frozen see and you might say how do we supposed to understand that that's why you, if you, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit you, you, you don't think these guys work hard to understand the Bible this is my look the peasants and the people back in the day that was that got a hold to that little Bible a lot of them understood it and it was a but yes it was that it was the original English language the American language came from all we don't use the original English no, we don't. We, our language comes from all kinds of places, you know, because we have different countries and different people came from whatever. So we use all kinds of different uh, languages. But the original English language from our, our so called mothers, Great Britain and everything, that's the original English language, not the American language. See, the old English is the original English language. We was birthed out of England, Great Britain. I hope a lot of you know that now. See, even an uneducated person like me found this stuff. I can see this stuff, and it makes sense and everything. Because I didn't grow up on history. I didn't even go to school a lot. I only finished ninth grade. But I'm able. Thank God, I was still able to read and use my common sense. There's a lot of people smarter than me. There's a lot of people catch on to me, cut you with me. But I just use common sense and discernments. You know. All right, because I'm sure not the smartest person but I'm a common-sense person, okay, <clears throat> might take me slow and long to get something, but when I get it, I lock to it, baby, I lock on, <laughs> I lock on, and I'm willing to change, you know, as far as that, but anyway, that's why I like when Bobby Brown used that term frozen, see, like an ice age, it was like frozen, you know, i I'm not, I'm not Uh, lifting up ice age and all the evolution stuff but I'm just using that as a, a little metaphor you know if I can call it that it was frozen so it was meant not to be changed it was already perfect enough for us to use today without messing with it that's my take on the King James that's my opinion that's my take on the King James now that's just a little History on the King James Bible. There's much more. There's much more in between. You got to talk about the Dark Ages and stuff like that. What happened after the King James was the popular Bible? Because the King James, when that came out, many people grabbed hold of the King James and the other Bibles was not used no more. They just was faded away and they wasn't even in in sync no more. The Geneva was the only one hung in there for a while because a lot of people, since it was authorized by King James, a lot of people didn't want to let go from what I heard their Geneva Bible. They loved that Geneva Bible because that was the Bible that most English, English the uh, the, uh, the ones in the pulpit and laymen used. That's the Bible they used in, So it was hard to give it up. But finally, the King James wound up being the authoritative Bible in England. See? So, that's our history. King James has a very interesting history. Now, you have the non-King Jamers or the ones against the King James they try to find every little dirt or every little mishap about the making in history because they got this history too. It ain't like it's hidden. If you are against something, sometimes you can be, if you, you can be, let me see, if you don't if I'm against a translation and I want to find out the history of it, the true history of the translation, I have to go in there uh, unbiased. I have to go in there with an objective way of looking at it. You, you see what I'm saying? Because if I go in there with a, I use these words a lot for a purpose. If I go in there with a preconceived, subjective way looking at it, I will try to find errors everywhere because they don't disagree what I believe in. But if I go in there objectively and look at the, what is the real meaning, why, I can just say, okay, they had a sincere reason why they made this. You know, I, can, I, can get, I feel that. It may be wrong, but they had a sincere reason. I accept that. See, but you have to go in there with an objective type of Mind. A preconceived type of mind if you're going to do an honest debate or a comparison the best way to do it which is very hard for the flesh is going to something, look at something objectively no matter how much it hurts you because a lot of us believe the reason we don't do this we, we're embarrassed, we're going to start believing what they told us that's why we go in there subjectively. We put it all of us, a lot of us are guilty, Christians, believers are guilty of that. We throw our hands up. Even if we live listening to somebody's faith, whether it's Islam, whether it's uh Mormonism, whether it's Jehovah's Witness or whether whatever it is, you know, different things like that, you know, we go in there with a subjective type of mind that we ain't gonna believe in no matter what. We sometimes get afraid to go in listen to somebody else faith to believe objectively because we believe we're going to just believe something that they are saying. I want to tell you this right now and I'm going to tell you myself there's nothing wrong with that. That don't mean you're submitting. That just means what they say saying might make some sense. Does not mean that it's true. But it makes sense. You understand what I'm saying? We have to be open to that and agree with that. Agree to the point that I say yes I agree but I just disagree of when it comes to salvation, but it makes sense. Even if it sounds good to me, and it makes sense to me, if it ain't God's way, listen closely, if it ain't God's way according to what he said, I don't care how I feel or how good it sounds, if it ain't God's way, or even if I feel that it's a better way to heaven, if it ain't God's way, I have to rebuke it, I have to just object to it. You understand? not how you would have done that you know sometimes less is more like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount USAA get a quote today and I'm saying see I'm doing a study on the book of Colossians and that was I believe a lot of that was going on with the Colossians and even in Galatians Paul had to reiterate and and remind them because they was getting persuaded on these different type of teachings they were sounding sexy to them, so they was getting persuaded. You understand what I'm saying? If you are a believer, a Christian, please go to Connected in Doubt. I'm doing a teaching on the Book of Colossians. Very powerful book. One of my favorites. One of my favorites, the Book of Colossians. You know, several books I like. I like Romans. Uh, you know, I like I like I like John eight. You know, Saint John, even though it's it's not our dispensation, but I like the power and authority of Jesus in John eight. Ooh, beautiful, beautiful, man. But anyway, a lot of times, we, if we want to find some truth or just listen, even though if you know that other side is error and they're sincere, if they're not dogmatic, I, I don't know how patience people, but a person just say, man, just check it out. I will check it out, not to the point that I'm going to uh, renege my faith, give up my faith and follow theirs, because I'm already locked down. I'm locked down. See, that's me. I'm locked down. But a lot of people are not, they're afraid they're going to believe what this other uh, faith is teaching. They're afraid of this, so they don't want to look into it. They're afraid to know something about another faith because they're afraid they go they might get converted. You, you understand what I'm saying? That fear comes and you don't look at other things or beliefs like that. All of us do that. See, I do things anyway through my fear. I do things anyway through my doubt, see, because it helps me to learn more about other people's beliefs, not for conversion for myself, but so I can just debunk it or I can just have a better conversation of understanding when I'm telling other people about this certain faith before they join. I'm never going to tell about you, you know, you do this and all, unless it's really radical, but I will explain to you what they believe in. Now, it's up to you if you accept that. I'm not, but it's up to you. My point is, you know, I forget where where I was going with this. (laughs) Where I was going with this. I hope you, uh, uh, men and women, are getting something out of this. The ones that are listening. I hope you're getting something out of this. And I'm going to somewhat end it with this. When it, you know, dealing with the King James Bible. I believe that the King James Bible is the inerrant word of God. There's many other reasons that I believe that. It's this uh, outstanding female teacher, Gail Ripplinger. Her name is Gail Ripplinger. Man, she's a, she's just a, woo, she's a diehard King James believer. She would not touch another translation period. That's how much of a hold she has on her her, her 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 belief at the King James Bible. I admire her to the point I said, Wow how could somebody be so strong or one thing like that? Never look at another train. Why she's able to do that? Because she had to learn the other translations. Whether she wanted to or not. She probably learned through error. What may, probably I don't know yet, but I got to find out why she, do, what started her to do that, you know, because I don't want to make her as a straw person. And she probably learned through, probably, I'm not, this is not fact, but probably learned through error. Like a lot of people that finally convert to Christianity or a certain translation, they learn through error by seeing certain mistakes in certain denominations or books or whatever. And whatever her his her story is, she's an advocate. King James Bible believer, and she's good man. She the one helped me, and I'm still learning how you can find the dictionary. And the King James is his own translator. The King James Bible is his own dictionary, and I'm learning that as I read more. I'm finding that if you keep reading the King James Bible, certain words it use is going to interpret itself later on down the line. What the real meaning is? What is meaning? It's amazing how God used this Bible, and I have no doubt God used it this way to have His own dictionary in the King James Bible. You got to look at it this way when a uh, lot uh, back in the, uh, the 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 original sixteen eleven and stuff like that, even Geneva, they used some footnotes references came later, which added to the King James, but they used certain foot, footnotes and everything like that. These men didn't have not near the tech. They didn't have no commentaries. They didn't have no dictionaries. They didn't have no concordances. They didn't have none of that stuff back then. They relied on the Holy Spirit guiding them in their own research. See, we got all this stuff and technology today and still so ignorant in the word of God especially the King James Bible see that's why I, I, I often say man a lot of us the majority of the church is not led by the Holy Spirit when it comes to us studying the Bible and walking like a lot of them in the past I'm not saying nobody because you got men and women of God walking in the spirit that don't mean they're perfect my point is it's just like how you use only five or ten percent of your or five percent of our brain, we use about three percent or five percent a lot of us probably of letting the Holy Spirit direct us and lead us. Why? Because we're looking for this miraculous Holy Spirit to take over us and just tell us everything. He is not we the Holy Spirit under this dispensation. And it will never be. He will not. He don't use us like that. That was under Israel's covenant program. And it's going to be under Israel's new covenant in the future where he will be in them and he will guide them again with the signs and wonders and the foreknowledge and stuff like that in the future. But not the body of Christ. Not for us today. And that's why a lot of uh, believers are disappointed. And they, they they frustrated. They don't want to learn the King James Bible and stuff like that because they want the Holy Spirit to just show them everything. And then if the Holy Spirit is showing them something, they still don't believe it. Because <laughs> it's still going to come down believing it. You can understand something, but you, at the same time, you don't believe it. You can know where it's going, and you, but you don't believe it. Real talk. Real talk. Okay? Now, in the next few, because I'm not getting off this, I won't... uh, Let me go back and tell you in fullness why I'm doing this type of teaching. Because a lot of... In the next few podcasts, Lord willing, I'm going to be uh, going through a little short history of why certain things What's the real meaning of certain definitions that the church used that has really nothing to do why it was used by the original church Joe so what do you mean by that okay the day of Pentecost when you know, the day of Pentecost, which you many of you should know, it was a Jewish Pentecost. It was a certain Pentecost means Pentel means fiftieth. It happened every fiftieth year, I believe. Fiftieth, penta, fiftieth. Okay, it was a certain ceremony and stuff like that that the Jews got together and celebrated different things. You know, the Mo- God and stuff like that. You know, has nothing to do uh, with signs and wonders and stuff like that. It was a festival, the real meaning of Pentecost for the Jews see I'm following that format I'm trying to find out real meanings of something see real meanings because the Pentecostal church or the Pentecostal theology today has nothing to do with the real meaning of Pentecost did you know that the churches today they use the word Pentecost they use it for uh, because they use it the Acts 2 movement of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues you know depends if you're Pentecostal or your holiness speaking in tongues you know the moves, the signs and wonders and the miraculous gifts like the charismatics and stuff like that that has nothing to do with the festival the real meaning of Pentecostalism nothing to do with that it's such man-made tradition of taking from the Bible that belonged to Israel and got caught up. You notice they, 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 most Pentecostal churches are stuck on that, but they don't participate in none of the festivals and everything like that. Pentecostal was a movement that you had to be under the law. Are you following the law? No, you're not. So, my point is a real finding the real meaning of something helps you not to get caught up in names you understand what I'm saying see that's why I looked up the word Protestant I'm a Protestant a lot of people don't even know what they mean so I said let me do my research where did I start different names Baptist churches you think about what when you think about Baptist you think about John the Baptist what did John the Baptist come doing besides baptizing in water was he doing signs and wonders and miracles? He came with a simple message: repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Many Baptist churches, they preach everything else, uh, uh, with that, added with man-made traditions and stuff like that. So a lot of the Pentecostal and some a lot of the Baptist churches, majority of the churches got a lot of the, they using a lot of things from the kingdom program, you know? So what I am doing, and I'm trying to show my listeners is, find out the history of something. That's why I say look for the history of your Bible. You might be surprised. Why did they make it? You find out. Don't go about what's going on now, what was changed. A movement started because of something or somebody. The Calvinist movement, Lordship uh, Salvation Movement uh, started under John Calvin. Now, John Calvin, this is my opinion, was here today. It's probably a lot of things he would disagree with because why? A lot of man-made traditions has been piled on it. See, And the way they do today, I don't even know if John Calvin would agree with it. I might be wrong. Martin Luther the Lutheran Church. He would probably throw up when he see the Lutheran Churches involved in gay marriages and all that stuff and all that stuff they added with it. Do you think Martin Luther would be proud of what's going on? Now, he messed up a lot of things himself, but if he came back, would you think he'd be proud of what's going on with the Lutheran Church today? John Wesley, the Methodist Church, they also get involved with gay marriage and stuff like that. The Presbyterian Church, the Church of God and Christ see what was the church in God and Christ that's a Pentecostal church it was birthed out of what I'm not going to give you uh, because each one I'm going to give you a little history on and while I'm doing this I want you to do something don't wait for me do that history yourself Do the history of what started your denomination. You can find it. It's out there. If you don't got time to Google it, use AI. Boom. Come up like that. Use AI for good. For your education. It's good to use AI for that. Find out this stuff yourself. Stop going by your traditional pastors and teachers. Find out this stuff yourself. A lot of you will be more educated than your pastor. And then you'll be able to think better. And you'll know either for you or not don't wait for me research this stuff yourself because I'm going to do that I'm going to do that because man I'm going to tell you it wasn't God's plan for all these have all these denominations out here man with different type of beliefs we are so segregated spiritually as a church body of Christ I'm talking about, not the church going to build this. We are so segregated with traditional beliefs. Satan manipulated the whole church. He don't want Paul's message to be taught. It goes beyond Luther and stuff like that, you know. My point is, finding not only the definitions but the history of who started these pro, where these programs come from. See? A lot of churches started these programs. I don't mean John Calvin said, okay, go start a Calvinist teaching church or Luther said, go start this Lutheran church or whatever. See, it's a movement. And then the longer the movement goes through the years, it's either going to be added to or it's going to be depleted, taken away. But it's still not; it still is a certain movement that was birthed out of somebody or something, even evolution was birthed out of something. And it just people just stop believing in it. It was birthed out of somebody believing. Who do you know? What's his name? Charles Darwin? See, it was birthed out of somebody's belief and man added more to it. More than what Darwin said. Many people believe Darwin was somewhat in the middle. I don't know how true that is, but he was like experimenting. You have some people who kind of, not, not, now I'm not saying Karl Marx. Karl Marx is all the way in. But whether it's true or not I I hear many people say that Darwin was kind of somewhat in the middle or whatever like that but you know people got a hold to it and just tuck it to another level like a lot of movements is often talking to uh, uh, another level they're going to even go further or they're going to take away but it still started somewhere if we do that as believers I don't doubt that we'll come to the truth, we'll find, because we'll find so much error. You're going to find error. You're going to find error, but it's going to take time because we got too much junk and tradition in us. And a lot of us are going to give up, period. A lot of us are going to give up. But it not it worth finding what God really wants you to do and what Bible you should be reading, what apostle you should be under? Is that important to you or not? Body of Christ real talk. Until next time, I'm going to get into uh beginnings of movements, definitions, even dispensationalism. I'm gonna get into all that. Uh, not every one of them, no, but what birth certain movements is very important what birth them. I'm gonna start getting into a little bit of that in the next teachings on the real Christianity. I just came up with that. The real Christianity. Because you have a lot. Now, if it's a real Christianity, what that means, that means it's a counterfeit Christianity. And the majority of the churches are counterfeit. I'm not saying a lot of main believers. I'm just saying their doctrine is counterfeit. What is real Christianity? You might say, man, it's okay to believe in what everybody believes. We can agree to disagree. Even AI says that we know. Whatever you believe, believe whatever. No, it's not like that with God. No. It's not hard to find out what God wants you to be or what doctrine you should be using to or what gospel you should be preaching. He's not the God of confusion. That's man. That's the enemy. There is a, that's, it is a way for you to know, and it's not hard. You just got to believe it. It's about your believing it and accepting it and receiving it. It never was hard. Satan made it hard and man made it hard. Traditions and denominations made it hard. Like nobody can really know the truth. You have some people say there is no ultimate truth. There is no truth. Yes it is. When it comes to the gospel of salvation and what we should be uh uh teaching and preaching. Yes, it's in the Bible. <clears throat> we just blinded by it and we just stuck in the grave because of denominational and traditional uh, blinders on. It's almost like Israel today. The Jews in Israel, the the majority of Israel is anti-God. Not anti-God, anti-Christ. They don't believe in the second coming of Christ. They're blind. So you have a lot of believers, sadly to say, and goers, just blind to the truth. But their eyes can be opened. They don't have to be left reprobate. Believer or non-believer, you don't have to stay reprobate. You still have a chance for the truth because it's out there. I found it. You might disagree, but I found the truth. Man, it took so much weight out of me. I ain't got to be everywhere now with every denomination of belief. And it's the teachers of the Apostle Paul. And when you learn where you belong under his teachings, the rest of the Bible comes alive because, you know, you ain't got to be you ain't you ain't got to do everything. The whole Bible tells you to do It's for your learning and for history and even reading the Bible. I can read all the books of the Bible and get so much more out of it now because I, I don't have to feel that I get it's meant for me now. And it makes the Bible so much real and so much lovable try it yourself. You might like it. For for the main time, salvation. You might not, not get to read no other book in the Bible, but salvation, you can have that today, whether you're here or tomorrow, to be saved by believing in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Under the teachings of the Apostle Paul, First Corinthians 15 1 to 4 for salvation. Remember what I said. The Catholic Church didn't want no other person to know about the Bible. They wanted them to stick to the, uh, the Latin Vulgate especially when it came to the gospel of salvation and believing. Remember, they was persecuting the teachings of Paul even had other believers thinking Peter now was teaching the same thing. No, it was Paul's only one taught faith by grace alone. Remember that. Those are Paul's teaching. That's what Satan trying to stop. Paul's teaching saved by faith, saved by grace, faith alone. And the majority he mastered it because the majority of the church still try to add works to it. It's Paul's message that Satan do not want people to hear about. It's the mystery message, hidden message that was only revealed to Paul by Jesus Christ in his heavenly ministry. It's what Satan don't want the world to know about. Satan don't want the world to know their sins have already been forgiven. Satan don't want the world to know all they have to believe is by faith and they can be saved because their i have been forgiven Satan don't want the world to know about this so he keeps them stuck and under the laws thinking and under the kingdom of Peter's and all their thinking if Peter was here he'd turn around man and say come on come on y'all stop it stop it you're not Israel if Peter was here stop it this is a lie from Satan Real talk. God bless you all. And I'm going to leave you with this, like I often do, and I'm going to keep on doing this. Tell it, get in your heart. You pull it out of your head and get in your heart. Get in your heads and getting in your heart. You don't have to be forgiven first to be saved. You can be saved now and set for eternity, assured of salvation, because you already have been forgiven. It all happened at the cross over 2,000 years ago when Jesus said it is finished. In other words, another way, it is complete. God bless y'all. Love y'all. Peace out. Body of Christ, real talk. Love y'all.
0: holiday.